Welcome back to the Corporate Escapee Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Trainer. Today's guest is Carol Issa. Carol is the founder of Leadership Activators, the host of the podcast by the same name, a self-proclaimed introvert, and also a corporate escapee. Not only did she leave her corporate job, she left her country to start her solo career. Carol joins us today to share her journey, including what worked, what didn't work, and kind of why she left and what, what's next for her. So, Carol, welcome to the podcast. And I know it was a quick brief intro, but did I miss anything big? You did awesome. 100% nailed it. Thank you so much, Brett, for having me. <laughs> no, I'm excited to have you. We were joking offline that when we first got connected, had a conversation, we should have recorded it because it's interesting. And we're going to we're going to recapture that and then go a little bit deeper in some areas today. But, you know, maybe to get us started, talk about what you are doing. Well, tell us a little bit about what your business is today, who you work with. But then I want to go back and figure out how you got to this place in a relatively short amount of time. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So um, I specialize in leadership and communication, training, consulting, and of course, coaching. And I work with business owners, executives, and people who are looking to go from launching their business idea, so from idea to launching their business successfully, whether it's a side gig uh, while keeping their nine to five or whether it's a full time business. And um, I help all my clients work through managing their internal world, which gives them access to more confidence so that they can have more influence and impact regardless of the context or environment they, they are in, whether it's in their business, in their work environment or at home as well. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely a life skill. And just so the audience knows, you're coming to us from Australia, right? You're still in Australia since last right. week, chatted. Okay. Still here. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's interesting. I think what, what you, you're doing is definitely life skills. And that's kind of what I've been figuring out. It took me a little bit longer than you did to figure it out. But, you know, things we coach and talk about really aren't just a business appropriate. It, it's life. So, so where you're at today, Day coaching and leadership and, and that development from where you start started and refresh me a sound engineer right back. Oh yeah. Yeah. Long, so why don't you take us back? To, <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. I'm I'm older than you. So but yeah, it's, it's previous <laughs> life. It feels where like ages. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it feels like ages. Uh, ages ago. Um, I think when, when we start this, I'm not sure about you, but when we start to like to go on the, to hop on this personal development journey, it feels like ages ago when you look back and you see how far you have come. Um, to me, yeah, I, I started as a sound engineer very, very early on in my journey back when I was 18 or 19. I used to love to DJ for parties and things like that. But um, the thing is that I um, never had access to great schools. Um, to teach me how to become a sound engineer back from where I come from, which is in Lebanon. We only had like audiovisual arts, which was very general. And I was supposed to graduate as a filmmaker, but I kept going back to the sound engineering world, um, which uh, led me to start wanting to discover the world and get access to the best tools and equipment and the latest and greatest, which was mainly what I was constantly focusing on. So upskilling in my hard skills. And uh, yeah, so I used to travel every year to San Francisco and London all the way up on, until I started to manage a recording studio by the age of 25. Um, and, and really, when I look back, I can see that I was promoted just because I was good at what I did. You know, the good, the double-edged sword, it's good, right? You were good at what you do, you get promoted, but man, maybe you weren't ready for leadership. And I know, nah. especially here in America, in the corporate world, we always want to promote the best salesperson or the best marketing person, even though they may not be the best leader of that. 
And just to to go back a little bit, so when you were managing that that group at 25, were you still in Lebanon at that point, or had yes. you moved? Oh, you yes. were. Okay, I was still I was still in Lebanon at the time. Um, so I used to have my base in Lebanon. I used to travel the world to learn all the greatest and greatest uh, latest and greatest tools. Um, but again, the focus was on my hard skills. And then I was like, hang on a minute, maybe I need business skills. Maybe I'm way too technical. So how about I go ahead and study, like go for an MBA? So again, I was looking after the next thing. Um, and uh, sure enough, I had my MBA before I turned 30. Um, and then I uh, co-founded also when I was 26, a training, uh, a training uh, center for business, for, uh, sorry, so sound engineers and the music producers. But I felt that something was still missing. I was still failing and over and over again as a leader. Now I know that it is leadership before I didn't. Uh, to me, it was right. like, what's wrong with people? Uh, why is it so hard to, to deal with people? Um, and, and I never knew that there was something like a whole new level to what I call being a professional human being. Um, and, and mainly that there was something called soft skills, leadership, emotional intelligence, communication, learning more about people. Um, and more importantly, that it started to, that ha had to do to learning more about myself first. Um, and really the trap that I was falling into was that I was constantly chasing external goals, uh, looking outwards, being stuck in busyness and not really uh, pausing for a second and starting to look at what's going on internally. Uh, so I missed the mark completely in my 20s. And it was only one day when I was uh, into a recording studio in San Francisco that it started to create this uh, curiosity around that there was something else going on out there. Um, I was being uh, mentored as an internship uh, in one of the best recording studios in San Francisco. And I was about to set up the, the, the studio for a big artist. I think it was Sting at the time. Okay. And I was so nervous. <laughs> I wanted to get it right. <laughs> Right. And it's like, oh, my God, um, this is too much pressure. And I think that the studio manager uh, was walking past the studio, recognized that he sort of saw that. And he's like, Carol, you don't need to be really nervous. You see all the fancy equipment here and all the fancy artists that we're working with. None of this really matters. Success is only 30 percent technical skills and 70 percent psychology. I love that. By and, the way. and you just left, right? That you, you dropped the bomb and left. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, wait, what does that mean? Sting, what do you mean? And you're um, like, that's not helping I... me tonight when Sting's coming in, but let me process it. <laughs> <laughs> and it took me actually so many years to process it. And I think it only landed like seven years ago. Um, so um, it, it was a long time before I was able to make sense out of it. And I think mainly it's because I was hanging out around people who who had the same sort of external drive. And um, I was not in the right environment to start helping me look into what else is there, what else needed to be modeled, to learn from. Um, and big turning point was when I moved to Australia. Okay. Before we go to Australia, can I ask you a question? Because at 25, yeah. thinking I should start a leadership program for sound engineers, most 25-year-olds aren't thinking, I need to set up a program. So what was kind of the, the thought behind that? Why did you see the need and, and felt you were the, the right person to set that up? Can you just give us a little bit more detail around sure. what that program was? 
So when, when I started the training center with other business partners, so I was bringing the technical skills into the mix. They were bringing the, the investment and the, the, the studio and all of that. Uh, mainly what happened at the time is that I felt that there were a lot of um, students at uni who did not have access uh, to advanced courses and training in sound engineering. And to me, it was like, I would love to offer you what I'm learning because I've been traveling the world for the past years, every single summer when I was a uni student. And uh, I have really collected a lot of great insights and tools that I could share with you. Um, I didn't realize at the time that was also an empowerment vehicle for people, an inspiring vehicle for people who wanted to become uh, great sound engineers and music producers. And it was in a way for me, the way to contribute back uh, to give them access to what I had access to that they could not access because not everyone had the opportunity to travel the world um, and invest in themselves, uh, whether it was a limitation because of being in this part of the world, like the Middle East, which is very hard for us to uh, move around the world. Like um, it's very hard to get a visa, to be accepted in different countries and all of that. And plus it's a big financial investment too. Uh, so I really wanted to bring what I was learning uh, back to Lebanon and the actually MENA region, which is the Middle East, North Africa region, uh, which is why I initially started this business. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So I didn't mean to take it, but I just, I was curious, you kind of just threw that away in passing. Like at 25, I wasn't thinking about starting, you know, a leadership or mentoring program. So, so kudos <laughs> to, to you for that. So, all right. So now you're at the point you're thinking about going to Australia and what, so what was your current situation and why were you thinking now is the time for the change? What was, where were you at um, before you made that change? Yeah, I, I think that constant drive to wanting to grow and learn and contribute. Uh, now it has words before I didn't know how to language it. <laughs> I always felt that there was something missing. I need to go for the next thing. That sort of constant looking for opportunities of growth. Um, I, I, I found myself plateauing. So, um, yeah, I got all the great certificates from around the world. Yeah, I became a sound engineer. It was one of my key goals. I got my MBA. I'm like running a business and all of that. But what's next? Now what? And um, at the time, I remember I was a bit bored. So I started um, a side business as I was leading the recording studio and the training center, which was a bed and breakfast. At the time, Airbnb was just starting in the Middle East. Yeah, um, I just came across a random ad on Google at the time. And I just clicked and I'm like, oh, that would be fun. Uh, let's give it a go. Something that I've never um, done before, like uh, hospitality and that sort of thing. That might be a good segue into starting to learn more about people and starting to get my people skills up and running and learning more about different cultures and hosting people, which is a completely different aspect of uh, being myself a tourist and going around the world. So what does it look like on the other side of the spectrum? And I started the, the bed and breakfast business through Airbnb. And I think okay. um, this is when I discovered the beauty of learning more about people and what lights them up, what brings them down, what they go through, why they're touring the world, why they chose Lebanon as their destination, um, and also rediscovering my countries through their eyes. And um, this was the trigger point. I was like, hang on a minute, Lebanon is going nowhere. Um, I've reached some sort of plateau and I think that I can be so much more than that. How about I start to look into going myself around the world and finding a way to really go outside of my comfort zone, leaving the comfortable world that I'm in at the moment where my phone keeps ringing. I don't need to chase 
uh, anyone right. to get projects um, and see what it feels like to just be parachuted into a country that who no one like no one knows who you are right um and and rediscovering myself through that so really stretching myself into this so this is the main uh trigger or a thought that happened at the time when i decided to to leave lebanon and move to australia i mean that's awesome because most folks you know i had um the author of the comfort crisis michael easter on he in the comfort basically says we're all way too comfortable literally we don't have to leave our couch to do anything we can order food we can watch tv there's literally nothing that we can't do from our couch and it's really bad for us mentally and physically because we're not stressing or testing ourselves and being uncomfortable because the only way you really grow is being uncomfortable. And I think a lot of people are okay. I'm like, I'm fine. Not <laughs> so, yeah. but, but I mean, what I'm starting to see in the people I work with is yes, I want more. There's more to this than just going through the motions and being comfortable. And I want to be tested and we all kind of find that at, at different ages and stages. So now I'm going to be honest, most of us don't leave the country <laughs> to go test ourselves, <laughs> but you know, I mean, I think that that's really interesting. Again, coming from a sound engineer, which again is super technically sophisticated, right? And not, I mean, there's no way I could walk in and do it. I can barely handle the mic and the you know, <laughs> the podcast studio through through Chrome. But you're going to Australia. What was what was the plan when you left? And did you? Well, let me rephrase it. Did you have a plan when you left? And where were you trying to get to? Uh, not really. To answer your question straightforward. <laughs> no, I didn't have a plan. I think this was the first time in my life where I felt that I was embracing uncertainty uh, at, at, at its fullest. Um, having said that, looking back, I realized that I was paving the way towards that. So where I come from in Lebanon, the environment is very nurturing, uh, very much like you wouldn't leave home until you get married. Your parents keep looking after you. You don't really take massive responsibilities which on one hand is great, but when it's overdone, what ends up happening is that you never get the opportunity to truly discover what you're capable of or who you truly are. There's a lot of conformity, a lot of following some um, certain values that are imposed on you, beliefs, ways of being, living, that it's expected to be this way. Um, and, and I think for me, when I was doing those mini trips overseas, um, and like it was a four week, five week trip, which was enough for me to start discovering that, oh, hang on a minute, I'm on my own here. And I started to realize that there were a lot of things that I hadn't experienced yet in my life just because I was left on my own and my parents were not there. My family was not there. And at the beginning, it was very scary. But then I started to like it and I started to lean into it. And I'm like, hang on a minute, what would it look like if you were to just expand that and be it becomes my life? Um, where I'm just, instead of just doing it for a short period of time and knowing that I still can go back home, um, just be that way. How fast can I exponentially fast track my growth? Um, I, I used to say, I remember when I used to come back to Lebanon, I'm like, I feel that I have traveled in time oh, and, and like, yeah. it, like forward, like, and I'm come back and I'm like, oh, I'm stuck in mud again. <laughs> I need another trip. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, for some reason I felt this way. Um, so, so yeah, to me, it, it was, um, in a way, I was stress testing also how far I could go with managing uncertainty. And I was really wanting to discover what I was capable of. And I was like, worst case, I can still come back. What's right. the worst that's going to happen, really? So I didn't really have a plan. 
um, it was more a, a vehicle for growth and finding out who I, I truly was. So it was sort of uh, living my teenage years um, in my 30s because I left Lebanon when I was 32, right? So yeah. um, it, it, it was a bit like that, yeah. But the teenagers have a safety net, right? I mean, I think going out and I again, I think there's a lot of folks <laughs> that just don't realize that it's okay to take chances. I know we get families and whatever things in life and you know, the risk is too much. But I mean, if you look in the grand scheme of things, the risk, sometimes the risk is greater staying doing what you're doing and not growing and not figuring out what's next versus looking at it. So it's a great lesson. The fact you figure that out so young, which is, which is fantastic. Um, all right. So now we're in, we're in Australia, sound engineer by trade. I'm assuming a really good one based on your global you know, expertise, you were doing some mentoring and some leadership training. What are you doing when you land in Australia? <laughs> so um, wh when I land in Australia, I realized that uh, my phone is not ringing. Uh, <laughs> right. I'm just like anyone else walking down the street. Um, there are no opportunities that are knocking on my door. Nothing is falling into my laps the way it was back at home. There was no one I could call even to, I don't know, help with moving from one place to the other, or yeah. hey, I need something. I'm sick. Can someone help? Um, it, and um, very quickly, I realized the importance of getting out of my shell. So I was leading others and I was uh, being a pioneer in, at, on so many levels back at home, but as a sound engineer, really. I, I never really created specific courses that say in leadership or train people to be leaders. I was finding my way there. And I don't even think that at the time I knew what a leader truly was or what it meant. Um, I was leading a lot of projects, yes, but it didn't mean that I had my act together. Um, so this is when I'm like, hang on a minute. If I stay in my shell at the beginning, it looks very convenient around, again, the comfort zone of because in initially yeah. I'm an introvert, right? So it was very cool. The first few weeks, my phone was not ringing. I didn't <laughs> have to do chit chat. Super um, comfortable. <laughs> Yay, I'm on my own. I'm in my own little world. Yes, beautiful. I should have thought about that way before. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then it didn't work, right? So, yeah. um, and, 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 and I'm like, something is missing. I really need to um, up my skills and, and see what is it there that is missing that is not allowing me to tap into um, other people. And I realized that I started to need to create my network from the get-go. Uh, recreate my network, let's put it this way, something that was happening effortlessly naturally back at home. And because my parents knew someone or I met someone at uni, that sort of thing it was happening really effortlessly. But here, nothing. Plus, I'm an immigrant. So at the right. time, so I, I was an immigrant. Second, um, let's put it this way, Lebanese people are not like, uh, how to say that, are not in good the good grace of most um, environments. Australia is one of them. Let's put it this way. And um, at the time, to be honest, I was shy or didn't want to reveal my true identity uh, because I didn't want people to just stick their judgment straight away into sure. thinking that, yeah, so or whatever was attached to it. And uh, it was very difficult for me to come out of my shelf by shell. One, because I was an introvert. And second, because I didn't want to reveal my true identity. And um, this is when I discovered the world of entrepreneurship, because also at, when I was 32, I started to realize that if I kept going into the sound engineering world, 
I was not going to be able to create the life that I wanted as a woman because I had in mind that I wanted to get married and have a family. And, and I saw how people were, were struggling at the time, whether it was my parents or people who were my age who already had families at the time, uh, to juggle both uh, the work environment and at the same time the backstage, which is um, being present for their kids and, and their husband or wife. And um, I was like, this is not going to work. The world of a sound engineer is hectic. There are no nights, no mornings. Uh, you sleep very late. You have to be at the mercy of artists. Um, you, you lead a very, let's say, an un unhealthy life. It's very easy to go down the slippery slope. And also it was a male-dominant environment, um, so which was not really what I was very much connected with uh, in terms of uh, we're done with the recording. It's 2 a.m. Hey, let's go grab a beer. Uh, and I was already exhausted by then and said, oh, what's the point? Um, so <laughs> I didn't really connect well with this environment. Technically, I was having those beautiful conversations with, with guys. But then when it came to the lifestyle of a man, I couldn't connect with that. So not really the right environment to be in for me. So I said, okay, to myself, I need to find a way to repackage my skills and reinvent myself to see where else can I go and, and contribute back with my skill set to start driving a new career, a new professional life. Yeah. I mean, again, great lesson for all the listeners out there. Again, a lot of our folks are in corporate, left corporate, haven't quite figured out what they're going to do. And, you know, we think, I, I, jo I joke a little bit that you think leaving the corporate safety net, right? It's easy. You get a paycheck, you go in every day, but you're not unhappy. You're, most are unhappy with either the commute or the work they're doing or the lifestyle that you have. You're not able to do things with your family when you, or whatever it is. But the risk they think is, you know, I'm walking a tightrope, right? If I go on my own, then I'm like on this skyscraper. If I fall, the world's, no, <laughs> right? If you fall, it's like 18 inches, right? You're going to be okay. You can walk back to corporate if you have to. So that's what I love about your story. I mean, the fact is you weren't 100% sure what you wanted, but you knew what you had wasn't it. We just get into a routine that we're just not happy with. And that was me a yeah. number of years ago. And, you know, I figured out a little bit later, but yeah, the, the ability to carve out that life. And, you know, the other thing that's interesting, we haven't even talked yet, but when you talked about the, the life balance, right, is the freedom, the flexibility, the financial independence. Most of the time, the financial independence is third when I talk to people, right? It's just they wanted the better lifestyle and wanted to be able to live it. So um, maybe we could spend just a little time talking about how did you get it started? You know, new market, new network, didn't know anybody. What were some of the first things that you did to, to get your business going and gain some of that momentum? Yeah, so at, at the beginning, I didn't think about starting my own business. I was actually looking to tap into uh, the Australian environment to see, to get a sense of it. Uh, so it was a new culture. That was the very first hurdle that I had to jump over, uh, to overcome. And um, I decided to segue into a different uh, area in my professional life and became a learning designer. So okay. it was really about creating courses and programs through understanding the market and seeing what the needs were there. And at the same time, using my teaching education skill set that I already had acquired from before and using my technical skills to create the videos, the audio, the entertainment part of uh, training. Um, as I was started doing that, um, I had at the back of my mind uh, the idea of learning how the business works. 
So instead of just being focused on what I'm doing and what I'm being told to do, which actually used to irritate me all the time, when I look back every single time I was put in the situation and I've always been working for other people, um, there was always this tendency of just getting me to focus on the one thing. And you don't need to worry about that. This is not your responsibility. And it used to irritate me. Like, I, I want to understand what's going on. I want to know how the different parts link together. Um, and what I did um, in, in Australia is that I remember use, you, I used to reach out to people in other departments. So, for example, I'm creating a course. I was part of the product development uh, course uh, team. So I used to reach out to salespeople, to marketing people, to people on the managerial side of things, ahead of departments. And I used to catch up for coffee with them or having like water cool conversations, water cooler conversations with them, always to try to find out what they're doing, how they're contributing to the business, um, what's going on up there, down here, to see whether the different parts were talking to each other. And I realized, and I was shocked to see how they were not um, and how far like the, the upper management was from what's going on really on the ground. Um, and this is when really I started to expand my network, having access to different types of people, having different walks of life, different environments, um, the challenges that they were going through, how they were overcoming it, their stories. Um, and I'm like, something needs to be done about that. So this is the very first thing that I did. The other thing that I did, I used to, for some reason, find myself into projects that were never done before. So typically the conversation would go like this with my manager. Hey, Carol, we have this project we need you to be on. We've never done this before. You got to figure it out. You do it. So, uh, <laughs> okay. so I would be like, yeah. Now, did I have the best, um, uh, the best attitude towards it? Not really. Uh, but now looking back, I realize how big and great of a growth experience this was for me. Because initially as an engineer, um, I loved the certainty of the manuals. And if there is a problem, we troubleshoot, we go back to the manual. Um, right. And with projects like that, there is no manual. You sort of have to create it yourself, for yourself and for others. So it's just like learning how to swim. You throw someone in the pool, they swallow water, they drown. They, they don't have the best <laughs> attitude, swim. right? <laughs> they thought they swim. So I really had to swim. No choice there. Um, and it was, this is when I first tracked my learning experience. I'm like, if I get what sales is doing, if I get what marketing is doing, if I get what business strategy is doing and what people who are actually driving the business, doing the doers, um, then why not? And I can see a massive gap in the corporate world or in the business world, let's put it this right. way, where people get promoted just because they're good at what they do and they've been there for a long time, but they don't have access to the tools that they need to lead and communicate effectively. How would that look so like true. if I were to create that for them? Because I've experienced it and I, I wasn't very graceful with it, but I've learned. So how about yeah. I start really, um, yeah, sharing what I have learned because this will help so many people and they will not have to go through what I've gone through myself. Like it took me, what, 15, 20 years to get where I'm at today. Um, let's fast forward that. Let, let them take what I've created and then elevate it themselves instead of having to learn something that they can learn right now. Yeah, 100%. It is such a gap. Even in the States, it's a gap with leadership and, and development. And we just assume people are either natural leaders, which is just crazy, right? We can all get better. I mean, we can learn. There's folks that are, and it, it's interesting over time. I've started to think that I, I always love to be learning and learn new things. But after having some recent conversations, I think it's less about the learning. It's more about the curiosity. And you've mentioned curiosity a couple of times during the interview that's just curious. And I think that's what, again, I kind of lost that for a number of years in the corporate world, right? It was, I wasn't growing anymore. 
I can get by incrementally. But then all of a sudden I discovered the curiosity and the, the, the desire to learn and grow again. And it just opened up a, a world of, of possibilities. And so interesting, I guess I didn't realize that you had didn't, did some learning and development. And um, so what a perfect you know, skill set to add to, to what you're doing. Is, is that how your business was born then after that was, hey, if I combine these two things, I can help even more people? Yeah, I think, and what helped me also are giving credit to people who reached out to me at the reaching out to me at the time. So people who saw that I left my country and started to be successful overseas, uh, people who saw that I had started many business along the businesses along the way, um, and that have been successful, and that I've did like a career change that has been successful in a country that is not mine, like reinventing myself over and over again. Started reaching out to me, asking me how's that I've done it, if I could help them in whatever uh, context they were looking to, yeah, move forward in life. And I started doing that. I didn't know at the time that there was something called coaching or mentoring. Never have come across these words before. Right. Um, and then I was enjoying it. I remember getting excited back at home. Like it was 6 p.m. I would quickly have my dinner and jump on a call at 7 with someone to help them. And I would be doing this. And I felt how energized I was, regardless of how tiring or hard my day was. And I'm like, hang on a minute. There is something there uh, for them. There is something that I can contribute back with. And it energizes me too. So why not? And this is when I started to discover the world of coaching and mentorship. Um, and I've been coached and mentored um, with, like, I've invested in a lot of programs. Interesting, most of my coaches are in the States. Um, some of them are here too oh, in Australia. Yeah. And I started to invest in myself. Um, so I landed in Australia in 2012 and I launched my business in 2015. So okay. uh, it took me about three years to go through that journey of noticing what I was good at, what I could help with, and where the gaps were for me to start um, discovering the world of coaching and mentoring and start my business there. I think mentoring is something I've rediscovered four or five years ago that I wish I had been doing that, you know, the folks that have 10, 15 plus years of experience have a lot to offer folks, right? Because we've seen folks with a couple of years of experience build successful business and you're like, how? <laughs> you don't have any experience. How can you share that with anybody? What have you learned? And now trying to spread this message to more and more folks that aren't happy, that aren't in control of their lives. And want something different, that there is a path, that if you have an expertise or a knowledge, there are people out there that that want to learn. So I, like I said, I, I love what you're doing. I love your story. I know it's still early in the in the process, but um, you work internationally, right? Are your clients international now? Or are you mostly in yes. Australia? International. Yes, my clients are international. Yes. I mean, okay. the beauty of being online. Yeah, that is so true, <laughs> right? I mean, that is the, the truth. I love the fact that this is, is more global. So, all right. So what's what's next for you as we head into 2023 and beyond? You've got the podcast, you've got the business. Any bigger sites or are you just kind of taking it as you go? So, yeah, beautiful. Love your question. So, so mainly, interestingly, I've moved uh, like to a certain um, uh, level in my business before having my son. And then when I had my son, I realized that I had to downscale a little bit so I could focus on motherhood and being there for him for the first um, years of his life. And then as I started to see that he's growing and he needs me less and less, then I can invest back in my business. So um, wh where most of the business owner story would be like, oh, we started there and now we're uh, we're sprinting and we're going up there. To me, it was uh, learning to create this flexibility around being able to change the size of my business and how much time I was investing in my business 
and being okay with it because other things in my life were becoming more important. Um, because to me, it's important to create balance in the way I, I show up for my family, my husband and my son, um, and the people I love around me, and, and also uh, for my clients. And if, if something goes out of balance, which I have learned the hard way, um, it's, it, yeah, it's completely unresourceful. So being okay with not having to be perfect across like 360 degrees and uh, going full on with the business, full on with the family, full on together because at the detriment of, of us, which are driving the whole thing. So uh, to answer your question, that was a bit of a context here. Um, so far, I've been uh, downsizing my business as opposed to scaling it. Uh, so I could be present for my son. And uh, what it means is that I used to have a small team before, uh, but now I'm operating as a solopreneur. So to me now is about what's next on the backstage side of the spectrum is to start to scale again the business and start introducing um, team members. So I, uh, as I scale, it starts to become back to where it was. And at the same time, uh, making sure that I'm still present for, for my son. Um, the, the whole idea is at the moment uh, to make sure that I, that I focus on two key areas, uh, which is on one hand, helping uh, executives and business owners develop their leadership skills, which is why the Leadership Fast Track program is here. And um, the communication piece, which is helping people who are looking to expand their public speaking skills and confidence on stage, in meetings, on podcasts, however they want to put it. Uh, build the confidence that they need so that they can create a powerful message uh, to influence others and contribute back and create the impact that they are after uh, through the Powerful Communicator program. So those are the two key uh, programs that I'm focusing on at the moment and that I'm looking to, uh, to scale uh, as I move forward with my business in 2023. And that, that's awesome. I love, not even that answer, I love that, that that's approach because that's what I'm trying to get folks to see is that balance, right? Because as a solo business owner that you can scale up and down, but you can build it to where it makes sense for your life, right? Because I think we used to have work-life balance. I'm like, well, work is, you should actually design your business around your life. And you, I mean, based on what we've talked about tonight, you figure that out, right? You could scale it back based on what you need to do with your family. And then once you have some more time, you can scale it back up. I love, I love that. And more people should be, especially if you're unhappy. If you love your corporate job, love the nine to five, love the benefits. Why not? God bless you. Go for, Go for it. it. But I don't, yeah. most of the people I talk to, no. No. <laughs> right? But that that's exactly right. And you're going to have to work. But I think there's just, there's, we're trying to change the perception that it going solo doesn't mean you're a, a freelancer or a contractor and you're subcontracting out and you have to work. There's ways to control that that we've, we've never been able to do in the past. And so having you share your story like this, I think is is phenomenal. And it helps the rest of us knock out those excuses of why we can't do certain things. <laughs> yeah. Um, anything, any other parting advice you had for would-be, you know, solo business owners or folks thinking about leaving corporate before we, uh, before we wrap this up? I would say two things. Number one is be kind to yourself because it's, it is a bumpy ride. It's a beautiful journey uh, and a bumpy ride at the same time. So, um, and also, it's a personal development course on steroids. Let's put it this way. So if you really want to fast track your growth, that's one of, sure. <laughs> one of the best, way to do it, best ways to do it. 
Um, and for this to work is also to, to realize that you've been hanging out in an environment that is not meant to um, create this self-reliance muscle, which is why you need to be, and you want to be really kind to yourself. So um, really owning the fact and holding yourself responsible to start looking for people who, who are going to be there to support you, challenge you, nurture you, and champion you along the way because they've been there and they've done it. Um, and making sure that you always have what I call the plus one, zero, minus one environment. And this is, comes from Sh Frank Shamrock from The Obstacle is the Way book. Um, and the way Frank has has done what he's done, so he's a mixed martial artist. And he I thought so. All right, I was going to guess UFC. When you're, okay. He dethroned uh, a four-year worldwide champion. And the way he's done it is that he always had someone, so the plus one person, was his mentor, his master, the person who was uh, teaching him the skills that he didn't have yet, challenging him, championing him, holding him accountable to keep uh, growing and learning and becoming better and better. Um, so his teacher. And had, he had the zero person who was someone on the journey with him. So supporting him along the way um, to remind him of why he started this whole thing in the first place, why he should be back on track, um, really nurturing him, supporting him and championing him uh, to hop back on track because we're going to fall off track. It's not perfect. The journey is not perfect. So uh, your accountability buddy, um, that's the zero person. And then the minus one person who you're going to be the teacher for. So you have come a long way. And most of the time we forget how far we have come and you start to dismiss the gifts that we have and the skills that we have because it comes naturally to us, uh, which happens to all of us. Um, so to remind you on how is it that you can contribute back to other people who are looking at you as someone who's got the skills that they're after and be their teacher. Uh, because also through that, you rediscover your craft. By teaching what you already know, you become better and better at your craft. So uh, those are the key tips that I would love to share with the audience. I, I, I absolutely love that. I'm going to do some more research on that too, because it makes sense, right? Because you always talk about you know, we joke having a team, right, of folks, but having the plus one that somebody's ahead of you in the journey, somebody you're tra going traveling with, and then somebody you can help along. That's it's so logical, but you know, I've never heard anybody articulate it quite like that way. I've already made notes on, on that piece of it. So I think that's, that's phenomenal. And it's a great way to end this. And so Carol, if there's folks that want to connect with you, learn more about your programs, what's the best way to uh, track you down? So either directly connect with me on LinkedIn. I would love to hear from you. Make sure you send me a DM, uh, sharing with me where that we have met. It makes it much easier for me to accept. Um, and uh, if you'd love to have a look at the website too, the easiest way is to go to carolisa.com or leadershipactivators.com.au. And don't forget to check out the podcast as well, which is, which is awesome. Carol, thank you so much thank for you. for jumping on here. This has been one of my favorite stories so far about this, and it's just right. It's understated, but it's 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 a great roadmap for folks to to think about. So I appreciate you sharing your story. Thank you so much, Brett, for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure having this conversation with you.